Welcome to Flow with Armand Asadi. <laughs> All right. This one's going to be, um, it's meant to be a little uplifter. I think we all need a little bit of uh, lifting up because the world is really, really, really giving us every reason to just give up and say fuck it and uh, sit down and not do anything and not give a fuck about anything anymore because it really just oftentimes seems like it's all going to shit, doesn't it? And I'm here to tell you that it's not. I'm here to tell you that regardless of everything that you are seeing in front of you, on the news, on social media, what your friends are saying, what your mom is, parent, anybody's saying, your your milkman is saying about how, well, we're all just going to kill each other anyway, and the whole world is going to end, and we're all going to nuke each other and obliterate each other into nothingness. I'm here to say we're not, and that not only should we have hope, but we should actually be excited, optimistic, looking forward to the future that is unfolding. And I know this is a bit of a crazy proposition, so let me explain myself. Everywhere we look, we are being told that the world is ending, that things are worse than they've ever been. And this episode is not one of these takes on why the world is actually better than it's ever been, because there's plenty of TED Talks for that. And there's plenty of YouTube comments and (laughs) Twitter threads of people arguing why that is not the case, so on and so forth. There are books on this topic, and um, I lean toward the idea that for sure, over the last 50 to 100 years, in particular over the last 10 years, the world is better than it has ever been. Progress is being made every single year. (laughs) Quick, quick actual example. I mean, Life before the Industrial Revolution, if we were born during that time, would be absolutely shit. We would, our, if we had children, our children, most of our children would not survive pregnancy or would not make it till even age 10. We ourselves would be lucky to make it to age 40. I mean, the types of existential threats, we would probably die in a duel or war or something like that. If we were a man, if we were a woman, we'd have some sort of, uh, like I said, pregnancy issue and 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 the whole thing was just you know starvation uh, famine disease plague <laughs> all kinds of stuff the world has gotten a lot lot better i think we all know that so let's just establish that fact first but all that aside there is this idea that is really uh being perpetuated over and over and over again. I keep noticing it come up all the time when I talk to people. Whenever I talk to people about the future, the first thing that typically people like to say is, but we're not going to make it. So the purpose of this episode is to ask a very simple question. Are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? It's funny, in crypto culture... (laughs) You may know this, but if you don't, I'll explain it. There's two really funny, popular phrases. There's WAGMI, W-A-G-M-I, it's an acronym, and N-G-M-I. N-G-M-I stands for not going to make it, which is thrown around at people who just don't get it, don't get the space, or so on and so forth, like they're just behind. And WAGMI, we're all going to make it, which is, you know, obviously thrown around in general on a macro level to just say, generally, we're going to make it as a space, we're going to make it as an industry. But I believe in general, we as a species, as human beings are going to make it. So why do I believe that? Well, first and foremost, because I have to. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's not enough people that aren't. And I kind of say that jokingly, uh, but I really do mean that seriously. I think that being an optimist is one of the most important choices a person can make in life. I believe that the future is built and created and shaped by optimists, not cynical types or pessimists, but by optimists. The people that create the world are those people that have to imagine it. It is so easy to believe, to build, to see a dystopian future that looks like many of the movies that we've all watched. It's easy because we have movies, we have the past to lean on. We have the the famine that we've seen, we have the wars that we've seen, we have the genocide that we've seen, and now we have you know, movies that have shaped what dystopian, technological dystopian uh, uh, worlds are going to look like when all of a sudden AI and robotics goes to a whole new level and it's Terminator, it's, I mean, all, all the dystopian movies we've ever seen, right? We have examples of that already. How many movies have you seen and examples have you seen of a beautiful future? Can you actually even think of a single one? Let me actually ask myself, can I think of a single movie with a beautiful future? I don't think I can. I mean, even Star Wars, for example, is like about this, I mean, literally like intergalactic wars between good and evil. Now, to a certain degree, I believe that that's true. I believe that we'll always have the polarity of two sides. And two sides is so binary, so on-off, so black and white, so yin and yang. But it is a part of the universe. There is an aspect to life itself that is very binary, that is very on-off, that is very good evil. And I think that will always exist to a certain point. And I don't believe in a utopia by any stretch of the imagination. I don't believe in a world where everything is just perfect because a world where everything is perfect has nothing to do. And if there's nothing to do, human beings will create chaos. If things are too perfect, I mean, per- the, the idea of perfection is just stupid. It, it, it shouldn't exist. It doesn't exist in nature. It doesn't exist anywhere else. And for us to seek toward perfection and ultimate uh, utopia is, is a flawed idea. But to want a certain amount of harmony and to want what Kevin Kelly, uh, the futurist and co-founder of Wired Magazine, who I've interviewed on the show twice, Kevin Kelly is his name. If you just Google Kevin Kelly and Armand Asadi, Kevin Kelly calls it protopia. This is a utopia. This is not, this is not your typical utopia. This is the idea of utopia, but progress, progress toward better, progress toward constant iterative improvement on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, a society that continues to simply evolve, which I believe we are. So many people say we don't learn from history. We're repeating our cycles. I don't agree with that. I believe that it might look like that in the micro, in the small, you know, when you look at life across a a time horizon of five to 10 years, it looks like that. Same thing applies with investing, by the way. When you look, you see volatility. But if you look at the stock market over 100 years, what do you see? Up and to the right. Even if you look at crypto over you know the span of over 10 years, what do you see? Up and way to the right. But if you look at crypto over the span of a year, what do you see? Absolute fucking chaos, okay? What we are attempting to build here is a positive future where we are all progressing. And what that takes is people on an individual basis who actually want, believe, and can envision a future of balance and harmony and progress. And therefore, 
I feel compelled. I, Armand Asadi, feel compelled. I feel a responsibility as a human being, as a citizen of the world, to believe in a good future, to believe that we are progressing, to believe that we're all going to make it. As you see, as I lay this out, there is no other choice. Because what do most people do? They look to society. They look to the external world. We look to the macro, the geopolitics, and we say, well, fuck, I can't control this. I don't have any impact on this. I can't stop this war from happening. I can barely do anything. I feel hopeless. I feel useless. It feels futile to even try. And to that, I would say, you're mostly right. You can't change the world, but you can change your view of the world. Very important and subtle nuance. What happens when you change your view of the world is that one by one, through a grassroots network effect, you change the world. I, in this moment, not to take credit for this, but to just give an example of it, I, in this moment, by sharing this idea with you, am creating a positive effect on the people listening to this that might change and shape the way they feel that would therefore then lead them to changing their beliefs about the future, that we're not going to nuke each other to nothingness, to dust, and that we're actually going to get through all this, then it's all part of the journey, that this is all stuff we have to work out anyway which is true, isn't it? <laughs> like, did you just expect this stuff to not happen? I don't think anybody did. It's just that when it happens, it sucks. So again, by somebody listening to this, to my voice that has belief, even when it seems like there's no reason to believe anymore, even when it's starting to look like it's all going to shit, by saying, no, it's not, and that we're actually moving in the right direction and that we're gonna be okay and that we're gonna make it and that we have to have hope always and stay optimistic, that changes the game. That changes one person who changes another, who changes three, who changes seven, and so on and so forth. That is why, and I know this this quote is often misinterpreted and there's, and there's anyway, I won't even mention that stuff. That is why the quote that if we want to change the world, we have to start with ourselves, right? Gandhi first said this. If you want to see change in the world, you have to change yourself. That is why quotes like this exist. That is why great leaders over the last few thousand years have all said the same thing. They've all said the exact same thing, that we cannot change the world by trying to, to get involved with uh, the political situation and by brute force trying to change how these things play out. And by the way, that is somebody's role, somebody's role. And the way that they can make best impact is to be the best version of themselves, to play at their full potential and commit their life to politics and policy and making change in some arena that ultimately is net positive for the world. And that's a beautiful thing. But ultimately, they still did it by beginning with themselves, by getting clear on their beliefs, by having an optimistic view of the world, of the nature of reality, of where the future is going, 
And then and only then are they able to step into the arena and fight for what they believe in. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. I know you're doing that because there's no way you're listening to this podcast and you're with me, you know, over a hundred episodes in, depending on where you got in with me, there's no way you're listening to me who doesn't fuck around with this stuff if you don't already believe that, if you don't already have this view of the world. And if you don't, if you are in a space where you are feeling overwhelmed, depressed, and it's just all too much and you don't have any hope, I'm here to say it's time to have some hope. I'm here to say you have no choice. I need you. The world needs you. You need you. It's that simple. You want change? You want to see a better world? Believe it. See it. Close your eyes. Envision it. That's the only way. That's really, truly the only way. Thoughts create beliefs, create language, and create behavior. Again, there's a very simple Zoroastrian saying. Zoroastrianism, for those of you that don't know, is the first monotheistic religion, the first religion that went from, you know, we were in a time back, you know, five plus thousand years ago uh, with the Egyptians and with many polytheistic religions where there was belief in many gods, the sun god, you know, the water god, the weather god, whatever, right? There's a god for everything. Then Zoroaster came around and essentially started the framework for what became the model for all the Abrahamic religions. You might think, what a fucking tangent, Armand, but hey, I might as well share anyway. The model for all these Abrahamic religions came from the idea that there's one God, let's just say, this one infinite power, this one source, right? And so Zoroaster came around, said there's a good and an evil, a heaven and a hell, a God and a devil, and lo and behold, all of a sudden, there's this belief in this uh, entity, this energy of one uh, God, the first religion to believe in one God. And again, this is thousands and thousands of years ago. And there's not a lot of texts to, not a lot of documents, not a lot of texts to go back and look on when it comes to the religion of Zoroastrianism. But there is one thing, and you know what it is? It's very simple. It's a saying, and it's a simple saying. How to live a good life? What is the tenet of this religion? What are the rules? Very simple. Good thoughts, good words, good deeds. I believe that there is way more depth to this statement than we realize. You could argue that the beginnings of the idea of reality and creation and even being and becoming the best version of yourself are rooted, reaching your potential, are rooted in this phrase, good thoughts, good words, good deeds, okay? Reality is created with the individual the self, you and I, and it begins with our thoughts. So to control our thoughts, we have to be aware of what we focus on, the information that we allow into our minds. You've probably heard me talking about this on Instagram and ranting about it like a lunatic. Pay attention, have an information diet, go on an information diet. You may have heard me mention my second 
iPhone, the one with no apps on it that I use during the weekends and that I intend to use for the, and I'm working my way toward using the majority of the time. You may have heard me say that. Why? Because I have realized that my fucking brain and my ideas and my mind is getting hijacked by this abundance of information that is on the one hand insanely useful. I'm referring to the internet here and social media and the news and the apps on my phone, insanely useful. And on the other hand, is sabotaging me, is sabotaging my mind, is changing my minds and making me, changing my mindset and my thoughts, making me scared, making me nervous, making me fearful, which what does that do? What does that do that makes me feel down, that makes me lose hope? What does that do? Well, good thoughts, good words. What does that do? It changes my words. It changes my beliefs. If I start to believe that everything's going to shit, guess what? It changes my behavior. All it takes is a thought to change your entire behavior. I mean, you know this with anything that you've ever done. If you believe that you're a healthy person, what do you do? You talk like a healthy person and you eat like a healthy person. You exercise like a healthy person. If you say, I'm going to live to be 150, 200 years old. What if if you believe that and you say that, what would you do? You would eat healthy, you would exercise, you would you would research longevity and health span longevity, you would commit your life to that and you would have this belief if you get ill that it's temporary. You'd be like, oh man, I got ill, I got this, I got that, I have some disease, I have cancer. Well, okay, that's just temporary. I have to get through this. This too shall pass, right? If you didn't have that belief, if you were like, oh, I'm going to die young and fuck it anyway, what, what happens? The first thing that happens to you, you, your behavior, what would your behavior be? You'd kind of give up. You know, the doctor would be like, this is your, this is your diagnosis. This is it. Would you go run to another state and see another doctor who's well-recognized and helping you with that? No, you'd accept it, <laughs> right? So your thoughts change your words and they change your reality. They change your behavior. Why do I say all this? Where is this going? It's everything. The root of what I'm talking about, it's all tied together. Your decision to be an optimist about reality, about the world, about the nature of human beings and where society is going is the most important decision. Believing in a harmonious future, an abundant future where you get to do what you love, where you are a global citizen who gets to travel the world with your family, making money, you know, a just beautiful life of experience and joy, however you envision it, that's on you. That's on us. That starts with each and every one of us. And it starts with what we believe, what we think, which will shape our words and will shape our behavior, which will shape our collective reality. This has to be the most important thing. And we all need to talk about it. We all need to support one each other in it. In these really, really difficult times is when we really need to double down on our beliefs. So if you aren't around people that think this way, get around them. And if you can't, well, that's what I'm here for. We have to create a community of people that think this way, that support these ideas, to support one another, because there's not enough of this out there. I hope you enjoyed this. Let me know your thoughts. Shoot me a DM. I would love to know. And uh, you know, you can always tweet at me 
as well. And by the way, one quick ask, especially after this episode, um, Flow with Armand Asadi, the podcast, is almost at 100 reviews on Apple. If you could drop a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, most of you are listening there, that would be awesome. And write a little review, write something. Don't just drop the five stars, but write a little review and let me know your thoughts on this episode or the show as a whole. And uh, yeah, then we'll be at 100 uh, reviews. Same thing on Spotify. You can't write a review on Spotify, but make sure you're following and uh, subscribe to the show on Spotify and uh, give it five stars there as well. And just know that I appreciate you. Until next time, peace.